This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Uh, once again, we're going to hear the familiar voice of James Stewart as he inhabits the role of the Six Shooter, a law-abiding cowboy in the Old West, a cowboy who is famous for being quick on the draw. Tonight's episode's entitled Anna Norquist. <laughs> In a moment, you'll hear James Stewart as The Six Shooter, just one of the many fine programs brought to you each week on NBC. Tomorrow night, there's top comedy entertainment with The Bob Hope Show, The Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, and Can You Top This with Senator Ford. Bob Hope delivers rapid-fire comedy routines, while Phil Harris and Alice Faye bring both mirth and music. It's a great Friday night lineup of comedy programs, all of them heard only on NBC. James Stewart as the six-shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle, unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. The NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as The Six Shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponson, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. It was Friday morning when I got to Smoke Falls on my first trip to town about three months. Dad Foster needed a little extra money for feed, so he asked me to drive about a dozen of his heifers in and sell them at Saturday's auction. Well, I turned the cattle over to Brad McLean. He was the auctioneer. And then, seeing as about noontime, I wandered into Wendy Knight's Cafe. Wendy's food was real good, too. Corned beef and cabbage, boiled potatoes, rice pudding for dessert. Real tasty. There was only one drawback to eating there. Wendy. And then Ed Burt. Uh, he's a marshal now, Brett. But I guess you knew that, didn't you? Uh, well, as a matter of fact, I, d I didn't. I, uh... Oh, sure, sure. He was elected last July. 102 votes was cast. 102. Well, that's the biggest election we've ever had in this town. The biggest in this part of the state, for all I know. Mm -hmm. well, yes, huh? well, unless you count Fort Lyons. And over there, they ain't very particular who they let vote. Why, I hear tell there was a grummer passing through the town last election day, and they just drug him right off to the polls. Mm, don't say. Yeah, I'll just bet you, if there was to be an honor census, we'd show up with a good 20 more people in Fort Lyon. Let me show. Let me show. Well, 
I sure was a fine meal, Wendy. Now, well, now to... where do you think you're going, Britt? You ain't let me tell you about Marshal Burke finding Seth Quincy's body. Huh? Well, what did you think I was leading up to? Well, I didn't exactly know. Yeah, a week ago last Monday, that's when it happened. Oh. Yeah, the reason I remember so plain is, along about 10 o'clock in the morning, it started to thunder, and I said to Mrs. Coombs, I run into her coming down Main Street, I said, Mrs. Coombs, I said... Don't let that thunder fool you. It ain't gonna rain the first week in September. No, sir. I lived around here for 17 years, and it ain't never rained after the 25th of August. That's what I said. Yeah. Well, now, what about Mr. Quincy? Well, I was coming to that, Brett. Can't you give a body a minute? Oh, sure. Sure, Wendy. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. Well, he was lying on the floor of his parlor when Marshal Burke come in. Uh, they say the place looked like he put up quite a fight, too. Broken furniture and glassware all over the place. I see. Uh, slug in his chest, that's what killed him. Uh, shooting must have been around 11 o'clock that morning. That's all. Yeah, leastwise, that's when Mrs. Henderson said she heard what sounded like a shot. You know the Hendersons, Britt. Live right over in the road there, uh, just down the road a bit from uh, Seth uh, Quincy's ranch. You know? Yeah, yeah, sure, I know. Uh, Clyde Henderson. Uh, he's that short, red-haired fellow who marries Sarah Watkins. Uh, I, I said I knew him, Wendy. Well, there's no need to take my head off. I'm just trying to give you the facts. Oh, I'm sorry. You go ahead. Give me the facts. Well, let's see. Where was I? Well, that's the trouble. Somebody interrupts you and you lose your whole train of thought. Oh, yeah, yeah. About Seth Quincy. Well, I guess that's all there is to tell. A trial was last Monday. A trial? Sure. Pete Kelgren, the fellow that killed him. Pete Kelgren? What's the matter with you, Britt? Ain't you listening to me? What? Well, you know, you kind of neglected to mention Pete Calgren before, Wendy, you know. I did? Yes. Oh. Well, uh, there wasn't any doubt but that he was guilty. When Marshal Burke arrested him, Calgren still had the $400 in his pocket. $400, huh? The money he stole from Seth. Oh, uh uh-huh. That's funny. Pete Calgren never struck me as the type of... I guess you just never can tell about people, can you? Oh, I didn't know you was a friend of Pete's, Britt. Well, we weren't exactly friends, but we met up a couple of times. He always seemed like a nice young fellow to me. Well, he even admitted robbing Seth. Of course, he says that when he come in, Seth was already dead, and the strong box was just sitting right there, real inviting. <laughs> he sure must think we're a bunch of ignoramuses expecting us to believe a yarn like that. <laughs> well, I suppose it could be true. The jury didn't see it that way. Hanging is scheduled for next Monday. The hanging? Well, I reckon I owe you a quarter, huh? Well, now, just a minute. I'll get you your change. Well, I'll be doggone. She's still there. Hmm? Well, that girl over in front of the depot. Been standing there since 9 a.m. this morning. Come in on the express from Fort Lyon. Oh. I guess she's waiting for somebody to meet her. Funny. I ain't heard of nobody expecting visitors. I usually get wind of a thing like that. Yeah, yeah, I imagine you do. Yeah. Well, here's your change, Britt. Thanks a lot. Don't mention it. I'll, I'll be seeing you, Wendy. Hey, you're going to be in town for a while, ain't you? No, no, I'm heading back to Foster Ranch tomorrow. Oh, that's a shame. You'll miss the hanging. Mm-hmm. Well, I reckon I can do without it. So long. I couldn't help noticing the girl waiting on the station platform. She's young, not more than 20 or so. Pretty, too. The straw-colored hair that was sort of fixed up in braids across the top of her head. Real pretty. And it sure looked like she intended to stay around Smoke Falls for a spell. At least why she had plenty of luggage with her. Two great big canvas suitcases and a 
wicker basket packed over the floor. I started to cross over toward her, and she gave a little turn. She was frowning, kind of anxious-like. She seemed to be studying me as if she was trying to make up her mind about something. I, I, excuse me for bothering you, miss, but uh, is there anything I can do for you? You come to meet me, mister? Uh, oh, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see now. You could not be him. Uh, how's that? He's shorter, fella. He sent me a picture. He's a different-looking man. Uh, then you're waiting for somebody. Oh, huh? sure, sure. Well, maybe if you told me who it is, I maybe I'd be able to find him for you. It is man I came to marry. Oh, oh, I see. He write letter over two years now. He have family in the same part of Sweden where I live. A be Swedish, mister. Uh, yes, yes, I sort of figured you might be. Then he sent me money. I come to America. I think he must be a rich feller. Send me so much money. Two hundred dollars. Hmm, yes, well, that's good some money, all right. He, he tell me stay with my sister in Wisconsin till he makes some more. I stay there six months over, but I get tired of waiting. I still have fifty dollars left, so I take train west. Uh-huh, well, maybe he didn't know you were getting in today. Maybe that's why he's not here yet. Well, I write him letter from Wisconsin. My sister helped me. I'm not so good at English language. No, no, you're doing all right. Doing fine. He must be busy working, and that is why he's late. But he will come. I do not worry. Well, whatever you say. Go on. Uh, mister? Yeah? You're a friend of his? Well, uh, I don't know. You didn't tell me his name. Oh, I'm a very <laughs> foolish person. I need to use my brains. It is a Peter. Peter? Yeah, Peter Kelburn. You have heard of him? Why, uh... Yeah. Yes, I've heard of him. You do not see him anywhere today? Uh, no. No, I haven't seen him. Thank you, just the same. Uh... Yeah, mister? I, uh... I didn't tell you my name, either. It's Ponsett. Britt Ponsett. I'm very pleased to meet you, Mr. Ponsett. I am Anna Nordquist. Oh, how do you do, Anna? Why you look at me like that, mister? Well, uh, Something uh, is the matter? I... Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid there is. But Peter, he is not sick. No, no, it isn't that. Well? But you, you said you'd come to America to marry Pete? Yeah, sure. But you don't know him very well, do you? Over two years we write letters. Uh, oh, yes, but I, I mean, with, with, with you letters... Think you think I cannot love a man I never meet? no. No, not necessarily. Oh, I know Peter just the same as if we meet a hundred times. We tell each other everything in letters. Well, maybe so. Maybe so, but I... Yeah. I... Yeah, I see. I see what it is you think. Oh? You tell yourself I only marry Peter because he sent me so much money, because he is such a rich fellow. No, no. No, of course not. Well, I tell you the truth, mister. I marry him because I love him. I never see him, but I love him. There's no other reason. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, of course, Anna. I, I, so why don't you come over to the cafe and have a cup of coffee? Huh? Oh, it's very kind of you, but I must be here when Peter comes. Well, I'm afraid Pete isn't coming. I do not understand. No, I'm awful sorry to tell you about this, but, uh, well, he's in jail. In jail? Yeah. You mean police arrest him? Well, it was the marshal. I'm not about the same thing. What did Peter do? Uh, well, uh... Oh, sure, sure, I know. He's scared to meet me, so he has too much to drink, yeah? No, no, Anna, it's 
it's a lot more serious than that. Tell me, mister. Well, the folks say that he killed a man last week. Peter killed a man? Yeah, it sure looks that way. No, it could not be. He's fine, good feller. Yes, well, I guess you're bound to think that, Anna, but... Uh... They make big mistake. I tell them so. They let me Peter go. Where is Jay? No, 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 I wouldn't do Please, that. Please, mister, where is Jay? Well, it's just around the corner there, but I don't think Thank I'd Thank you very it. much. Now, here, here, let me give you a hand with those I things. I can manage. Huh? I can carry suitcase. Have her confirm and plenty strong. Now, listen, Anna, I'm afraid the marshal... Yes, mister, you come to bedding, yeah? Oh, sure, sure. I, I'm in... I... Well, good luck. Well, I didn't see where it was up to me to give Anna all the details about the hanging Monday and everything. She'd find out soon enough. It was a tough break, though, after coming all this distance and marrying a man she'd never seen. Well, I strolled around town for an hour or so, and then I headed over to George Billings' house where I'd left my things. I was planning to spend the night with George and his wife, Ellen. They offered me the use of the spare room. Hmm. No, nobody home. Well, I picked up the flower pot in the top porch step, and I found a key under it. And I, well, there's a note from Ella, too. It said for me to go inside and make myself comfortable. And I... There was a copy of the Smoke Falls Weekly Gazette on the hall table. I skimmed through it for a couple of minutes. The main article was about the Quincy shooting. Pete Kilgren's trial. Oh, that is. Oh, hello. They tell me I will find you here. He must talk to you. It's important. Yes, well, come in, Anna. Thank you very much. Well, won't you sit down? I would rather stand. I get too nervous if I sit. Mr. Ponsett. Yeah? What is wrong with Marshal Burke? Oh, nothing as far as I know. He says Peter must be hanged. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, it is not possible. They would not hang a man who is not guilty. Uh, well, Anna, maybe Pete is guilty. No. He is not. The marshal let me talk to Peter. I ask him if he does this awful thing. He tells me no. Well, uh, Anna... It is no lie. I can tell a man who lies. It is the truth what Peter says. Well, uh... He is fine fellow. Better even than I hope. My sister warned me I should not expect too much. I will be disappointed. But Peter, he is good and kind and handsome. Oh, he's a nice-looking boy, all right. No doubt about that. And he did not kill any man. He could not be the one. Well, he's admitted stealing Seth Quincy's money. For me. That is why he takes it, so we can get married. It is very wrong to steal, and he must be punished for it. Well, if he was willing to steal... To he... steal is not to kill. And that is why they hang him, yeah? That's right, yeah. Then you must keep them from it. Hmm? Yeah. I tell Peter that we meet, that you are very nice to me. He says you be a famous person with... The funny name, um... Six Shooter. Oh, yes, yes. He yes. says you will prove he is not guilty. 
You will talk to Marshal for him. Oh, well, I don't see what talking to Marshal Burke would do. Please, Mr. Ponsett. Uh, I'll tell you something now. Before I say I come to marry Peter because I'm in love with him because of letters, what he writes. Well, maybe I need to speak the truth. Maybe I just want to come to America. I think I get no other chance. But now it is the truth. I meet him and I talk to him. And I am in love. I love him very much. You must believe me, Mr. Ponsett. Oh, sure, Anna. Sure, I believe you. Then you will talk to Marshall. Yeah. Well, all right. All right, I'll talk to him. You are listening to The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett, the Texas cowpoke whose name has become legend throughout the West. Now, act two of the story, Anna Nordquist. When I left Anna at the hotel, I went over to see Ned Burke. His office was in the front part of the jail where they were keeping Pete Kilgren. Ned had only been marshaled for a few months, but he'd had a couple of years' deputy experience, so he knew the job. And he was sort of a man that usually made a good marshal, too. He's quiet, not looking for trouble, but able to take care of it when the time came. I sure felt terrible, Britt, when she came in here and told me who she was and what yeah. she wanted. Yeah. I let her talk to Kilgren, figured it was the least I could do. Just seemed to make things worse, though. He convinced her that he was innocent and I was out to get him. Well, well no, nobody's going to believe that, Ned. That girl might believe it. Guess I wouldn't blame her if she did. That Kelgren's a pretty smooth talker. Yeah. Uh, Ned. Yeah, Brent? I, uh, there, there couldn't be any doubt about it, could there? Hmm? I mean, as I understand it, Pete says that Quincy was already dead when he got there. Well, sure he did. And that he took the money because... Well, it was just so darn tempting. Oh, it don't stand to reason that somebody'd murder Seth and then go off without breaking into a strong box. Now, does it, Britt? No, no, I guess it doesn't. Uh, besides, Sarah Henderson seen Pete riding away from Seth's house not five minutes after she heard a shot. Mm-hmm. What, you arrest uh, him the same day? Well, I came into town right after I found Seth's body. Sarah had sent for me. She had a feeling something was wrong. Kelgren was at Bud Winkler's place. That's where I found him. Mm-hmm. He still have the gun on him? No. No, he claimed he didn't own a forty-five. That's what the slug in Seth's chest was, forty-five. Mm, I see. And of course, Pete had plenty of time to get rid of the gun, and there are plenty of places between Seth's ranch and town where he could have ditched it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true enough. Does anybody ever remember seeing Pete with a forty-five? Mm-hmm. Not that I know of. Now, wait a minute, Britt. You ain't taking Pete's side in this thing, are you? Well, I'm not taking anybody's side, Ned. I'm just curious, that's all. This was a cold-blooded killing. You go on out to Seth's place, you'll see. He was an old man, but he sure put up a darn good fight for his life. And from the looks of things, he went on fighting after he was shot. Mm-hmm. You know, I just might take you up on that invitation, man. Yeah. Uh, hmm? Yeah, about going out to Seth's place. I'll see you later. It was getting on toward dusk when I reached Seth Quincy's ranch. Oh, 
Whoa, boy. Whoa, Scar. Whoa. I walked up the front steps and tried the door. It wasn't locked. Seth had lived alone. It didn't look like anybody had in to straighten things up since the murder. Boy, there sure had been a whale of a fight in the parlor there. A couple of broken chairs and some stains on the sofa and pieces of a lamp that had been smashed against the fireplace. Strong box didn't seem to be there. I figured they probably needed that for the evidence. Well, I poked around for about half an hour, and then I headed back to town. The moon was starting to come up as we hit a bend in the trail, and the doggondest thing happened. Now, Scar was usually as sure-footed as a mountain goat, and not a bit skittish either, but when a bat came winging out of some cottonwoods, I'd, I'd darn near sailed right out of the saddle. What the Sam Hill is going? Whoa! Oh, Scar! Come on now. Come on. What? That's... And that's when I saw it. Buried under a pile of leaves in a little gully. The first thing that caught my eye was the moonlight glinting off a piece of metal. Easy, easy, Scar, easy. Of course, it could have been almost anything a broken spur or part of a farm tool, anything. But even before I pulled it out from underneath the leaves and the dirt, I knew it was a gun. It's me, Britt Ponson. Oh, just a minute. I thank you never come, Mr. Ponson. I get so worried. Well, I'm sorry it took me so long. It does not matter now that you're here. You talk to Marshal Burke. Yeah, yeah, I talk to him. And you tell him Peter did not kill this man. You tell him Peter is not guilty. No, Anna, I couldn't tell him that. What are you saying? Uh, Pete is guilty. I found his gun. The gun he used to kill Seth Quincy. No. It was hidden in a gully about a mile from the farmhouse. I do not believe you. I gave it to Marshal Burke. Now, you can see it for yourself if you want to go over there. Pete's initials right on the handle. Only one bullet had been fired. It's the right gun. There's no doubt about no. it. No. it could not be. Now, Anna, now listen to me. The only reason I'm, I'm telling you this is... Well, after Monday, there won't be anything you can do about Pete, uh, It'll be better if you just forget him. I will not forget him. Ever. Oh, it won't be easy. I know that. But as long as you know he's guilty, as long as there isn't any doubt in your mind, well, maybe it's for the best that you found out before... Why you try to tell me lies? Anna, this is the truth. No. You say you will show me gun. You say it belongs to Peter. Well, what does Peter say? Well, of course, he denies it. Then I deny it, too. All right. All right, huh? I guess there's nothing more I can do about it. You lie to me? You and Marshall? You try to make me think that John I love is a criminal? I do not understand. In old country, they talk about America. They say it's the best country in the world. But this is lie, too. Where is justice? Where is freedom? They 
hang a man for what he does not do. Now, now, Anna, it's listen. terrible, terrible country. I wish I never come here. I wish I never leave my home. I have no friend, no husband. I be alone in country that I hate. Oh, I'm... I'm sorry. And if there's any way I can help you, if, if you need some money... I want no help from American. Well... Well, good night, Anna. was still on in the marshal's office, so I stopped off and I asked Ned if I could go and have a little talk with Pete. He didn't seem to think it'd do much good, and to tell you the truth, I didn't think so either, but, well, I couldn't see it'd do any harm to try, so. Pete was a tall, stringy man, about 25 or so, toe-headed with a yellow mustache, kind of a pointed chin. All right, Britt, I'll leave you here. You want out, just give me a yell. Nice, man. I sure am popular today, ain't I, Britt? Yeah, I guess you might call it that, Pete. Well? Well, I thought maybe by now you'd feel like coming out with the truth. I told you the truth before. I've never seen that gun my whole life. I ain't the only man with those initials, am I? Besides, what's the difference if I'm going to be hung anyway? Well, the difference is Anna. Anna? She believes you, Pete. She believes you're innocent. And as long as you go on saying so, she's going to keep on believing it. Even... Even after... It's kind of nice to have somebody believe in you, Britt. Nobody else does. Now, Pete, you weren't railroaded. You had a fair judge and a fair trial. But Anna doesn't realize that. She's young, she's upset, and she's in a strange country. She wanted to come here pretty bad. Had a lot of dreams about this country, and now that well, those dreams are turning sour. I mean, it's a good thing she woke up. Well, I just don't happen to agree with you on that. I think this is a pretty good place to live. But Anna won't find that out, not if she goes on feeling this way. Well, what do you expect me to do? Confess to murdering Seth Quincy just so Anna can appreciate the good old USA? You ask me, this country ain't so hot anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, there are a lot of folks who'd put up pretty good argument about that. Your own father is one of them. You're just wasting your breath. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I am. Any man who'd kill Seth Quincy in cold blood the way it you did... It wasn't cold blood. I didn't even... Go on, Pete. All right, but I ain't telling you this because of... Well, I don't even know why I'm telling you. I needed money for Anna so we could get married. I wanted to make a good showing like I told in the letters I wrote her. Everybody said Seth had plenty of cash, that he wouldn't put none of it in the bank because he'd had a fight with Mr. Putnam and he kept it all in that strong box. I thought he'd gone to town. I never figured he'd come back and catch me while I was robbing him. I tried to hold him off with my gun, but he just kept coming. I I had to fire. Even then, he didn't stop. Not until... Well... Pete, what do you want now? I, I want you to tell this to Anna. You can tell her. I'm afraid that wouldn't do any good. 
She's real pretty, ain't she? I never figured on her being so pretty. She was surprised. Yeah? I've been writing her for the last two years. It's Pa's idea. He knew her Ken back in Sweden. There wasn't any girl around here that... Well, leastways, none I was interested in. Uh-huh. Well, Pete... I'll tell her. But it wasn't cold blood, Britt. Not the way you think. Yeah. Uh, Ned. Ned, I'm all down here. Well, Pete finally explained things to Anna, and I guess she saw what had happened in kind of a different light, maybe. Anyway, she stayed on in Smoke Falls, and... Last time I was through there, she was working over in Wendy Knight's cafe. She changed some, too. The way she wore hair, the way she dressed. But she... She was still just pretty as a picture, right, Georgie? And you know something? Wendy had changed. He wasn't talking so much. The folks said that that was Ann's doing. That she'd asked him to simmer down a bit. Well, sir... If she was able to get Wendy to stop talking, even for a couple of minutes, if she had that much influence on him, well, you never know, do you? Stay tuned for Life with Luigi. Time now for J. Carroll Nash to put on the cloak of Luigi Basco and hear another tale that he tells his mama in Italy as he makes his way in his newfound home of Chicago. invite you to enjoy life. Life with Luigi, a new comedy show created by Cy Howard and starring that celebrated actor, Mr. J. Carroll Nash with Alan Reed. Luigi Basto left Italy to start his new life in America, he promised his mother that he would write and tell her about his adventures. So now let's read Luigi's letter as he writes to Mama Basco in Italy. Dear Mamma Mia, America is a land of many wonderful things, and the most wonderful thing is the radio. This intervention must be to keep people in the streets. Because all the time I'm hear a man say, run out to your nearest grocer. <laughs> Yesterday, I'm going to listen to my favorite story, Mamma Mia Perkins. <laughs> and the three times the man has chased me out to my grocer. <laughs> so I'm going to make up my mind the next week I'm going to hear a whole story. I'm going to bring in a grocer to my house. <laughs> Anyway, Mamma Mia, I'ma try to be real American. Man on the radio says, run to grocery and buy coffee. I buy coffee. He says, run to a drugstore, buy razor blades. I buy razor blades. Other night, there's a come on a program, a grand central station. I'ma turn it right off. Mamma Mia, I'ma not gonna buy the super chief. <laughs> but the Mamma Mia, I'ma learn a lot from the radio. But I'ma learn even more from my night school class. 
Miss Spaulding, she's a smart and a beautiful teacher. And when she's a holding my hand in hers to teach me penmanship, I'm a feel like my fountain of pennies are going to faint. <laughs> well, it's the time for my class, so I'm going to go for more education. And maybe more penmanship. <laughs> Quiet. I'll call the roll. Mr. Basco. Present. Mr. Horowitz. Present. Mr. Olson. Present. Mr. Schultz. I'm here, but I didn't bring a present. <laughs> Mr. Schultz, please. Uh. Now, class, I have an important announcement to make. Inasmuch as our little class is six months old, I've decided to hold an essay contest. The essay will be on What is America? Now, you all know what an essay is, of course. Oh, but certainly, of course. <laughs> yes, Mr. Schultz? Essay is abbreviation for South America. <laughs> no, no. What then is abbreviation for South America? SB? <laughs> no, it's SA. You see, I was right. I was right. I'm always right. <laughs> please, Mr. Schultz, please. To tell you the truth, it was a lucky guess. <laughs> Mrs. Spaulding, I think I know what is an essay. Essay is a something you write. is a composition. That's huh? right, Mr. Basco. And I want everyone in the class to prepare an essay. I've invited a few of our local dignitaries to judge this contest. And this coming Tuesday night in our auditorium, we'll have refreshments. You can bring your friends, and each of you will address the group. Address the group? My goodness, ain't they going to be wearing no clothes? <laughs> That is not what I mean. What, what, what do you mean? Speech, Mr. Schultz, speech. Oh, my pleasure. Miss Balding and fellow Poopers. I'm not accustomed as I am to All right, all right, Mr. Schultz, that's fine. But save it for the contest. Now, one of our local merchants is going to donate a prize, and we expect to have a good crowd, probably two or three hundred people. Mr. Basco, what are you writing? I'm writing a note telling you I'm going to be sick at Tuesday night. <laughs> You don't have to be jittery, Mr. Basco. Everyone there will be your friends. Oh, and here's a bit of advice. When you get up on that stage, just keep saying, I'm not nervous, I'm not nervous, I'm not nervous. All right, but while I'm selling that, who's going to make a speech for me? <laughs> For me. Oh, Luigi, you walk so fast. I'm so pooped, I'm gonna pop. <laughs> you know, Schultz, huh? I like more than anything to win this contest. But I'm here only one year, and I know so little about America. Luigi, I'm here 30 years, and I'm just as stupid as you are. <laughs> Look, Luigi, if you think you don't know enough about America, why don't you go speak to people who do know? Uh, like your postman, for instance. Schultz, I'm learning nothing from my postman. Huh? I talk to him every morning since I've been here, and always he say the same thing. What's that? My feet is killing me. <laughs> and uh, talk to your banker. Oh, say, Luigi, why don't you go to your friend, Alderman Johnson? That's right. Alderman Johnson. Ah. He's to know everything about America. I go right now to see him. Thank you, Schultz. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Schultz. Yeah. Ain't you never nervous when you gotta make a speech? 
Uh, well, I never was before, Luigi, but now maybe I will be. Uh-huh. You see, I got a trick. When I make a speech, I never think there's people out in front of me. I'm always imagining they are sitting there, Betty Grable, Lana Turner, Hedy Lamar, and Rita Hayworth. Why you say you're nervous now? Because lately there's a new face in the audience. Oh. Ali Khan. <laughs> Mr. Rotherman of Johnson. You remember me? I was here last week. Why, certainly. I know every voter in my district. Never forget a face. Hey, what's your name? Luigi Bosco. You see, I guessed it. Well, what can I do for you, Bosco? Mr. Rotherman of Johnson, if you was going to make a speech about America, what would you say? Well, that's simple. America, land of the free, home of the brave, country of unequaled opportunity where every man can vote as he pleases. And I promise, if elected, to guarantee... Please, please, I'll Johnson, a please. A chicken in every pot, two cars in every garage... Mr. Johnson. All right, three cars. Mr. Johnson. You don't get another car if you drop dead. <laughs> Mr. Alderman, I was asking you about America. Oh, yes. America, my favorite country. America, the broad, wide land where 140 million Americans are joined together into one great union. I always thought there was a two unions, AFL and a CIO. <laughs> The USA, land of the free and home of the brave. And I promise if I'm elected... Alderman Johnson, Alderman Johnson, please. I appreciate very much what you tell me. But where can I get the facts about America and the history? Well, you can go to the public library, but you won't find out more than I know. Why, my head's filled with facts. Uh, Let me tell you about the pilgrims landing at Plymouth Rock in 1776. (laughs) Excuse it, there was a 16 or 20... Uh, let me quote you Lincoln's Gettysburg's address. Uh, I have but one life to give to my country. Wasn't it four score and a seven years ago? Uh, oh, the unforgettable words of Paul Revere on his famous horse ride at midnight. I do not choose to run. <laughs> Wasn't it one if by land and a two if by sea? Hey, Basco, you'd better go to the library. What's the matter? How do you expect to learn anything if you keep interrupting me? <laughs> Luigi, my friend. Hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello, Pasquale. What's the matter with you, Luigi? Your face is a looker like it's a lost, it's a best friend. Well, Pasquale, here's a long story. I gotta make a speech about America, and I'm trying to get some facts. Schultz couldn't help me. So I went to my alderman, and then I go to the library. Oh, sure, I... sure, go to everybody except the fellow what's bringing you from the older country, Pasquale. What's happening, nothing? Why are you running like a crazy caterpillar around the tree when all the time you could have come straight to the sap? <laughs> You're so right, Pasquale. Nobody's a bigger sapper than you. That's a funny thing. When I'm saying it, it's a sound of different. <laughs> well, Pasquale... 
I'm now coming to you for a help. The lady in the library said, before I can get a card, I must get a two-character reference who signed this a paper for me. Well, the library, I'm a glad you come to educate a man. They give me the paper, I read that. Ho due persone firmare che tanto per protezione. Pasquale, where do you see Italian words? I'm a just a translating so I can understand what I'm a reading. <laughs> Luigi, I'm glad to sign this paper for you, and I'm gonna get other signatures for you too. Thank you, Pasquale. My countryman. Sure, a countryman should help each other out. Luigi. I do you a favor, maybe you do me a little favor. Sure, Pasquale. One hand should always wash up the other. Good. I'm going to sign a paper for you. You sign a paper for me. All right, Pasquale. What the paper you want, I should sign. A marriage license with my daughter Rose. Nothing to do, Pasquale. Nothing to do. Your daughter Rose is too fat for me. You call it 250 pounds of fat? That's a skinny. Too much of skin. <laughs> Luigi, you bad a business, a man. How much is the weight normal, a girl? About uh, 125 pounds. So my Rose is the weight 250. You lucky fellow, you get two girls for one price. <laughs> Be sensible. You marry my daughter, I'm going to pay for a free honeymoon to Niagara Falls for you and the Rosa. It's no deal, Pasquale. I'm not going to go to Niagara Falls with a barrel. <laughs> oh, Luigi, you're making me so mad I would have thrown you out of the store in a second if I could have found another boob to get a stuck with a Rosa. <laughs> Pasquale, you mean you're not going to sign this library paper? I'm answering you in the two words. And all. <laughs> now, Mr. Speechmaker, what are you going to have to say Tuesday night, eh? I'm going to be there with a the rose and the rest of the crowd. You're going to be so stupid we all laugh at you like a bigger boob. Not yet, Pasquale. I'm going to get a two other people to sign. Oh, sure. And who's a good signer for you, my broken down little antique deal, eh? What two people are you going to get? Sears in a roadbook? <laughs> Flotsam and a Jetsam? <laughs> I.J. and a fox? <laughs> All right, go ahead and make a fun of Pasquale. But I find the two people. They sign up for me, then I go to library and I get the cyclopedia. Cyclopedia? Luigi, my son, Mary Rose, I buy you a bicycle. <laughs> Pasquale, cyclopedia is a mean a book. What? Out of my store, you stupid fool. Now, even if you want to marry Rosa, I don't want you. Why? Any man who's crazy enough to ride around on a book, he's a don't belong in my family. <laughs> Now for the second act of Luigi Vasco's Adventures in Chicago, we turn to page two of his letter to his mother in Italy. And so, Mamma Mia, looks like I'm not going to win a speech contest on what is America. Because I'm not going to get two character references for library. Pasquale, he's turning me down, and he's going to make everybody else turn me down. Only two people who would be willing to sign up for my character that are now in Italy. 
Uncle Pietro and his goat. <laughs> and Uncle Pietro, he can't sign his name. <laughs> so I go back to the library and I tell a lady I'm going to make a bargain with her. And instead of taking a big encyclopedia and giving her two references, I'm going to take a smaller book and give her one a reference. She's just saying no. So I say, how's about I take a pamphlet and I leave her my hat for deposit? She's just saying no. I guess maybe my hat doesn't fit her. Anyway, I'm sitting in my antique store wondering what I should do next when the door is suddenly open up. Well, Luigi, my fellow boober, are you all ready to win the contest on what is America tomorrow night? Sure, she's worse than that. I'm a think I'm going to have nothing to say. But that's too bad, Luigi, but that's good for me. Without you, I think maybe tomorrow night I will be crowned Miss America. <laughs> well, smile, Luigi, smile. Remember that behind every dark cloud is peeping a little Tom. <laughs> hey, Schultz. Schultz. You know something? Ah. I'm a just to get an idea. Oh. You a businessman. Maybe you sign a character reference for me in library so I can take out the books. Books? Why, Luigi, without books, you know, I would be lost. You know, I got one book in my delicate reference for the last two years. It takes so long to read? Who reads? I tear out the pages and wrap up herrings in it. <laughs> Schultz, please sign this paper for me. So I can get a book from a library. Well, huh? I love to, Luigi, but I can't sign. You see, this book I'm talking about belongs to the library, and it's overdue. You see, I got it since January the 2nd. Well, Schultz, it's only a few weeks since January the 2nd. 1911? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mamma mia, Schultz, if nobody is going to sign for me... I think I'm going to go right now to Miss Spaulding and tell her I'm out of the contest. No, no, Luigi, wait a minute. If you only want to study in the book, just go to the library in the research room. You mean it's not necessary to have a card? Of course not. Schultz, thank you for this information. <laughs> I'm going to go right now to the library. Goodbye. Goodbye, Luigi. Oh, well, Luigi, wait a minute. Wait huh? a second, yeah. Uh, when you walk out of the library, uh -huh. you should see a nice fat book with a lot of pages. You see, I'm running short for my herrings. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Goodbye, Schultz. America, I love you. You like a papa to me. Excuse me, Mr. Library Lady. My friend, he's telling me something about the research. Yes? Yeah. So if you don't mind, I'm like to search this place. <laughs> if you tell me what you're looking for, sir, perhaps I can help you. Well, I'm like to study a book on what is America. And if you give me advice, I'd be happy to listen. Uh, what era? What the era? <laughs> Lady, you can talk in either one. I'm here good in a book. <laughs> Any particular date? Well, I'm interested in a finding out... Quiet, please. <laughs> I'm a sorry. There are people reading. You'll have to lower your voice. All right. Uh, I'm interested in a finding out... Too low. I'm interested in a finding out... Too loud. 
<laughs> I'm interested. How's that? <laughs> Good. I'm interested in finding out. Why, a... please. Just go over to that filing cabinet, look under the A's, and you'll find hundreds of books listed under America. Thank you so much. Hmm, it's so quiet to hear. Everybody's a read for themselves. Guess that they don't want nobody else to shoot and enjoy. Ah, here's the cabinet. Oh, there's a little card in the front of each box. Let me see. What does the first card is it say? Ah, two... Bug. That's a funny libraries have got a bugs. Well, I'm looking for a book. I pull out this drawer. Oh, I guess I pull out the too far. I'm, I'm sorry, people. Quiet, please. Ah, there. Drawer is a back, and now I'm looking at two cards. A lot of cards under America. Hey, what's this? America, C. Hmm. Excuse, please, Miss Library Lady. This is a card that say I should see you. What? Sure, and this is a card that say America, see us. That's U.S. Well, that's us. <laughs> it means United States. Look under you. Huh? What am I going to find under me? In the card cabinet, United States. Oh, all right. Thank you. Now, this is the time I pull them out the slow. Mamma mia, short the drawer. I wonder what's happened to that other fella. Maybe he should go home. Well, I look for a book. United States, all so see under. Right, please. He's back. I'm sorry. United States, see Colombia. Colombia, Colombia. Colombia, gem of the ocean. See, God bless America. Ah, God bless America. See Irving of Berlin. <laughs> Mamma mia, I'm going to spend all this time looking for America and I'm going to wind up in a Berlin. <laughs> yeah. I try under A again. Let me see now. America, America. Rise of America. Hey, that's so good. Rise of American Civilization by Charles and Mary Beard. Mr. Library Lady. Shh. What is it? Please, I'd like to see this book on America by Charles and Mary. Well, what's the last name? I don't know, but they both got beards. <laughs> no, that's not the right. Mary can't have a beard. Well, you must mean The Rise of American Civilization by oh. Charles and Mary Beard. Uh-huh. The book is right here on the shelf. Thanks. Here, take it. Thank you. Please try to be quiet uh -huh. and sit down. Oh, Excuse me, please. 
Mamma mia, what am I going through for that speech? Hey, wait a minute. This book look good. I read. The first man to reach America was a Norseman named Leif Erikson. That's a big lie. Hey, library lady. What about the Christopher Columbus? What? I'll have to ask you to leave. Please, I'd be quiet. It's too late. You'll have to go now. But I've no got a speech. Well, you've made too much noise. Please leave now. This way out. Mamma mia. A lot of time I learn in the library. I can just see myself standing up in the auditorium in front of Pasquale and the rest of the people tomorrow night. And all I'm going to be able to say is... Quiet the place. And so, in conclusion, fellow poopers and classmates, let me say, America is just like a big delicatessen. In the north is salami, in the south is bologna, in the east is sauerkraut, and in the west is... Uh, California. <laughs> I thank you. Thank you, Mr. Schultz. Well, we've heard from almost everyone in the class, and now we'll hear from our last speaker, Mr. Luigi Vasco. Mrs. Spalding, I got only one thing to say. What's that? I'm not to hear. <laughs> come now, Mr. Basco. Everybody was just as nervous as you. <laughs> now, come on up here on the stage. Come on. That's it. Fine. Ladies and gentlemen, business of people and a guest of honor. I'm going to have lots of trouble to find that out information and stuff about America. So I'm going to to have a regular speech. I'm going to have anything from a books. All I can tell you about... What is America? Is it now a little more than a year since I'm arrived in America? How I'm a remember exciting a speech Captain he makes on a boat. He tells how America is a big melting pot. He says if you want to enjoy the pot, you got to melt. <laughs> Captain is a talker so much about the melting pot that by the time I step off of the boat, I'm a feel like a beef stew. <laughs> but to now... Now I know what the captain means. America is a place where everybody is living nice together. Only I think captain make one mistake. Here is a fast. Everything is a speed, a quick. People is a hustle and a bustle and a rushing. Fast, always in a hurry. America is not the melting pot. It's a pressure cooker. <laughs> is a pressure cooker what I like because well take our own class we got the Miss Spalding Schultz Olison Horowitz and the May Basco and we all best of a friend I'm a proud of America someday I become a citizen I hope America is a bit proud of me well I think I'm a finish. 
Well, uh, now that the speeches are over, the judges will select the winner. In the meantime, there are refreshments in the back. Thank you. Eh, Luigi, you big fool. Just like I must say, your speech was so bad and nobody's even a clap of hands for you. Please, Pasquale, I know. I'm feeling bad enough. All right, Luigi. Maybe this is going to teach you a lesson. Forget about a foolish night to school and education. That's not for you. You should have got married like every normal man. <laughs> Maybe you're right, Pasquale. But who's going to marry a dope like me? I got it just to the right to match. <laughs> Rosa! 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 You called me Papa! Come here, Rosa. Say hello to Luigi. <laughs> Hello, Rosa. Rosa, even though this Luigi is the dumbest, the most stupid, the biggest, the greenhorn of boob, I think we're still willing to marry him. <laughs> Me too. Oh, shut up, you Now, will everyone take his seat? We are now ready to announce the winner of our contest. In the unanimous opinion of the judges, who, like you, were so touched they were unable to applaud, I am happy to say it is Mr. Luigi Vasco. Mama, Mama Mia. And Mr. Fisher, one of our judges, would like to make a special award. Thank you, Miss Balding. Mr. Vasco, I understand you had quite a bit of trouble trying to get a library card. I happen to be the head librarian for this district, and it gives me great pleasure to present you with a library card of your own. But I have to have a two-character references. <laughs> Mr. Basco, a man of your character doesn't need references. Mamma mia, it's a wonderful. But Pasquale, you make me feel so terrible, like the worst day of my life. But no more. From now on, I'm a never coming to your store again, never. And now for the award which was so generously donated by one of our local businessmen, Mr. Pasquale. What? <laughs> Mr. Vasco, you have just won two weeks' free meals at Pasquale's Spaghetti Palace. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Inner Sanctum, followed by A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.